Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Greetings. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to uh, get access to the Biblical Hebrew for Beginners. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Thanks for tuning in this morning. And as been custom the last, I don't know, couple months, we've kind of made our way back to doing a weekly end times discussion, end time prophecy discussion, whether we look at prophetic scriptures or signs in the world which seem to just be more than plentiful right now. And so we're going to look at some, uh, the, well, let me just say, the, the verses that we're going to look at today come out of Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be looking at that parable, um, I guess you would call it the parable of the wedding feast. And I just read from you to start the show from uh, Revelation 19 verses 7 through 10, or 7 through 9, in which the which John has said, John is told, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those who are arrayed in fine linen and white, which is the righteousness of the saints. It's a righteousness that I believe only comes through. Well, this is what the scriptures teach. It's not what I believe. It's what the scriptures clearly teach is that that righteousness, that covering, that garment is... You get that by trusting in Christ, right? It's like that hymn that I've been reciting to you guys lately. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Anyway, we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. Let's get, let's look at it. We'll look at a couple of headlines this morning, okay? We won't spend a lot of time on it. There is one article I'll read to you. Uh, but first, let's look at this headline. Uh, this is a headline we really haven't really seen much of since 2014 through 2015 when we talked about this a lot, and that is blood moons. Uh, this here says, Some see coming super blood moon. If you know what a super moon is, that's when it's much, much larger. Follow Super blood moon followed by the ring of fire as a sign of the end times. A new lunar eclipse, or blood moon, will soon be visible on May 26, 2021. It will be partially visible from eastern Asia, Australia, the Pacific Ocean, and much of the Americas. This particular event is being called a super blood moon and will be the first total eclipse since January of 2019. 
Uh, the full moon will enter into Earth's dark central umbral shadow where it will appear as a blood moon for 15 minutes. And uh, so you guys remember back in 2014, 2015, when we had the blood moon tetrad, right? There was a blood moon for this happened two for two consecutive years where they were landing on feast days. And then the final one was a super blood moon. I mean, I was convinced it was a sign of the end. And I still think it was a sign of something, maybe the beginning of the end. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, rather than just look at how blood moons are prophesied about, uh, let's move on. I want to read just this one article to you. It says, 10, ten signs that things are getting better in America. Of course, this is hyperbole, so we're going to look at 10 really prophetic or not really prophetic but just obvious signs that things are deteriorating very quickly and so let me read this article to you it's from the most in or the economic collapse blog.com says everything is great and America is about to enter into a new golden era that will be overflowing with peace prosperity and happiness now that statement there, you'd be surprised how many people actually believe that. The writer says, if you believe that, there is a very large bridge I would like to sell you. There is certainly nothing wrong with being optimistic about the future, and personally I'm very excited about the next chapters in my life. But if you think that the United States is heading in the right direction, you are not thinking straight. Evidence of our advanced state of decline is all around us, and yet we continue to embrace our self-destructive ways. And so he's got 10, uh, 10 things he wants to point out to you. Number one, New York City was once one of the most beautiful cities in the entire world, but now giant mountains of trash are piled up everywhere and approximately 2 million rats are rampaging all over the place. In an attempt to turn the side, city officials plan to create a city cleanup corp. You know, it's very, it's very sad what they've allowed to happen to these cities and uh, it's just tragic number two in 2020 homicide rates increased by an average of more than 30% in major US cities and now homicide rates in many of those cities are even higher in 2021 number three in cities all over the United States police officers are leaving the force in record numbers for example, here's what's going on in New York City. More than 5,300 officers, roughly 15% of the force at the New York City Police Department either retired or put in their papers to leave in 2020. Number four. Meanwhile, police departments across the nation are having an exceedingly difficult time recruiting new officers. In New Jersey, the number of qualified applicants is only a small fraction of what it was a few years ago. Number five, less police officers will be needed if cities decide to simply stop enforcing the law. In Manhattan, a decision has recently been made to no longer prosecute prostitution at all. And number six, here's some things that are going up in cost. And these are things that are going to continue to go up in cost, by the way. People have no idea 
what's coming. And I warned about this at the beginning of 2020. I told you guys that the food was going to get more expensive and everything was going to get more expensive. Yes, it takes time, but when you have everything shut down and manufacturing gets behind and you have a simple basic economic concept called supply and demand. And so, yes, you're going to start paying for it at the grocery store. You're going to start seeing more shelves empty and basic things are going to get more difficult to obtain. Let's look at some of these numbers. For example, lumber. This is a big one. Lumber's up 265%. I mean, folks, if you wanted to build a house, let's say it was going to cost you 40 grand to just build it yourself, you're looking at over $100,000 for the lumber now. I mean, to, to build a home right now or to even have one built is just not economically possible. People can't build. Crude is up 210%. Gasoline's up 182%. Heating oil's up 100%. Corn is up 84%. Copper's up 83%. Soybean is up 72%. Silver's up 65%. Sugar's up 59%. Cotton's up 54%. Palladium's up 52%. Natural gas is up 43%. Wheat is up 19%. Coffee is up 13%. These numbers are just going to continue to get worse, my friends. Number seven, here's the most Googled sex question in 2020. Data from the online health clinic from Mars released this week indicates that the most Googled sex question in 2020 with more than 2 million searches was, what are the symptoms of chlamydia? Number eight, as I detailed earlier this month, cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis have all soared to all-time record highs in the United States. We want America to be great at a lot of things, but not at spreading sexually transmitted diseases. Number nine, the western half of the country is in the midst of a multi-year mega drought. Now listen, friends, pay attention to that. This, they're saying, is the worst drought in 1,200 years in that area, in that region. This is no joke. By the way, we already talked about how there's a food shortage. There's already a shortage of, let's say, produce because California, where 90% of the country's produce comes from, refuses to use any form of sanity, has some of the worst lockdowns, really, in the world, and now they have a mega drought as well. So if you think there's going to be much food being produced in California that's going to make its way through the rest of the country, you're kidding yourselves, friends. This is going to be devastating over the next many years. This foolishness that we did in 2020 is going to wreak havoc over the next few years. Number 10, we have known, well, I mean, obviously the drought on top of our foolishness is what's going to wreak Havoc. Number 10, we have known for a very long time that the government agencies endlessly spy on us, but now even the Postal Service is tracking and collecting our social media post. So there's 10 things to be paying attention to. Things are not going to be looking up, friends. They're just not. That doesn't mean you can't be optimistic about certain things. It doesn't mean that... Besides, again, what did we say? Our hope is built on nothing less. It's all about Jesus. It's all about His coming. It's all about the kingdom. If your hope is in this world, 
you are going to be so, so disappointed. All right, let's switch gears and start looking at some scripture here. Let's look. I want to look at this parable. Parable of the Wedding Supper. Matthew chapter 22 is where you find this. this is the first 14 verses. And remember, parables are a short story, not to be taken literally, but they are to demonstrate or show you a truth, to open your eyes to a truth. It's a, it's a short story so that you understand the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So let's have a look here. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for a son. And he sent forth his servants, and they called them, the, called them that were bidden to the wedding, but they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he saith to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways, and they gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Alright. Let's kind of examine this a little bit. You know, he's the, this is a story about a certain king who made a marriage for his son to demonstrate you know, how the kingdom of heaven is, what it's like. And the first thing you have an issue with is that there's, he has servants that were bidden to the wedding who did not want to come. Many scholars, or I'll just say some scholars, view this, and I kind of view it this way as well, but there's many ways to view this. It's, this is dealing with the Jewish nation who rejected Messiah, right? He bid them to come, they would not come, and so he went out into the highways and gathered as many as he could find, bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. This, I believe, is talking about how the Gentiles were brought in. There's also other ways to look at this, which I also think are um, worthy of considering, uh, uh, aside from that main view. And the thing that I want to prepare, well, I really want to point out is that it says he sent forth his servants saying, tell them which are bidden, those are invited, 
Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come into the marriage. Here's the line that I think's critical that we need to be aware of and be careful of. But they made light of it. You know, I feel like for, what, seven years now I've been preaching that the kingdom of God is coming soon. The return of Christ is coming soon, that the time of Jacob's trouble is coming soon, that the birth pains are coming soon, that the tribulation is coming soon, the end of days are here. And many, I would say most people, they make light of it. And it says, and they went their ways. And what does it mean when it says they went their ways? It means they went back to their worldly lives. They were like, okay, yeah, sure. And then they go on to the world. It says, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And then those who didn't do those two things, it says the remnant, meaning those, those who were left, took his servants, the messengers, and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And then when the king heard of this, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned the city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they that were bidden were not worthy. Go you therefore to the highways and you'll find as many as, as you can find and bid to the marriage. And then that's when they go out and they find the bad and the good and they fill the wedding chamber. And when the king came to see the guest, obviously this is symbolic of Jesus, right? He saw a man there who had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called but few are chosen. You see, you're not entering into the marriage supper without a wedding garment. And the way you get the wedding garment is being covered in the righteousness of Christ. You know, Isaiah says in, the, in his prophetic book, chapter 61, he says, I will, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. I read to you to start the show from Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And then it tells you what that means. What, what is this garment all about? What does it represent? For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Bless, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true sayings of God. I want to end this show by reading from Revelation chapter 6 today. And we'll see one more incident, incident of these garments being handed out. The most important thing to know is that it's a covering, it was symbolic for righteousness, but this is righteousness that you only receive through Christ. 
It's not something that you earn. And you cannot participate. You cannot be a part of the wedding supper. Just like the king, he came in, he saw somebody without a garment, and he says, oh, you don't have a garment on. Bind that guy up, hand him foot, and cast him into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's end by reading Revelation chapter 6. And, um, you know, I'm not going to explain every detail, but I just think that it's important for us to kind of renew our memory of this in light of the times that we're living in. This is what it says. Chapter 6, verse 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. A crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And it was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, Lo, a black horse, and the one that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. I want to stop right there. This is something we're already witnessing. Slowly develop. It doesn't just happen overnight, but it is happening. And one day it will seem like it happened overnight, but that's not the reality. This is a picture of economic fallout. And basic needs will become expensive, like wheat and barley. But then the finer things, at least the things that you th- that during good times, the finer things, those are readily available. Think about what happened during all the lockdowns, right? I mean, you could get all the alcohol you wanted, right? Wine, oil. What you couldn't get was basic necessities like toilet paper. Okay, that's what this, I believe this is talking about. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beast of the earth. So what we're seeing here is basically a fallout. We see peace taken away from the earth, war, violence. We see pestilence, famine, hunger. We see economic fallout. That's what this four horsemen is all about. These things coming to pass. One thing that's important to notice, and I always point this out because people just pretend like it doesn't say it. It doesn't say that uh, that the pale horse was going to have power over the entire earth, but a fourth part of the earth. So it's, it's not necessarily everywhere, right? It says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and he followed him, and hell followed him, and power was given to him, unto them, who are them, the horsemen, over the fourth part of the earth, so one-fourth, 25%, to kill with the sword, and with the hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Verse 9. 
And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? It reminds me of Habakkuk, right? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes, again, here's that garment. White robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. You see, God has established a, a number of people that would be martyred for the faith. And when that's full, it's full. Verse 12, And I beheld and he opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth as hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars fell from heaven unto the earth as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of, of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in dens of the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? As you'll note, here as the chapter ends, and the kings and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains. And not just the wealthy and powerful, right? But And the mighty men, but every bondman and every free man, they hid. It says that they hid. And they said for the mountains and rocks to fall on them, to hide them from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You see, they know. The world knows where this is coming from. Some people think that uh, the world's just going to be like confused, like, ooh, what's happening? I think that it's going to be very clear what's happening. I think everybody's going to know very well that it's God doing it. But like the book of Revelation says, they will refuse to humble themselves and repent. It's kind of like Pharaoh. Think about this. Pharaoh knew where the plagues were coming from, but he continued to harden his heart. I mean, the miracles and the plagues and the things that were happening made it very clear that the God of Moses existed and was doing these things, but he didn't care because he's prideful. I don't believe in atheists. I believe in prideful people. When this all goes down, and it may be soon, they'll know who's doing it, but they'll refuse to repent. And instead of repenting and saying sorry, what do they say? They say, hide us. <laughs> Let's hide. Right? There is no hiding. You're either going to be a part of that wedding supper or you're not. You either are covered 
in the blood and the garment of righteousness through your faith in Jesus or you're not. Paul says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Make sure you're in it. Make sure you're in it. Make sure you're paying attention because that day will come upon you in an hour that you think not. And in a time that you do not expect if you're not paying attention. It will not surprise, Paul says it will not be a surprise as those, to those who, of us who live in the light, right? We won't be shocked. We're expecting it. Do you have a garment? And who are you trusting to receive that garment? Because if it's, if it's yourself, you've got a problem. I pray you've been blessed by the podcast this morning. I want to thank all of you who support it. Those of you who recently have supported it through PayPal and through Patreon. and I'm very, very grateful for all of you. Thank you for doing that. I'm humbled that, the, that you would think that this is worth supporting. So thank you for that. That's all I have for you. I pray you have a blessed weekend. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.